Well, welcome to Coffee with Vern, a time where we have intentional conversations about the gospel and we desire to talk about theological truth. Thanks for joining us. We hope you can learn and grow and be fed through this. Boker Tove, everyone. Good morning. Breakfast edition. <clears throat> what are you eating? Golly, dude. I feel I sound like a, a bullfrog. I really sound horrible through these today. I'm eating Pop-Tarts. <laughs> You're eating Pop-Tarts. It's breakfast edition. What are you drinking? I'm drinking chocolate milk. Yeah. Pop-Tarts and, and chocolate milk. The Puritan Perk Perkins Brew. We got <laughs> it all going on. I am my grandfather made over. I think I've told you this story. Probably yeah. every day at breakfast, he had a cup of orange juice, a cup of coffee, a cup of water, and then he had cereal, and he always drank the milk after he ate a cereal. And yeah. every day, same uh, yeah. four different substances to drink. I'm like, Paul, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's, one, a lot that's a lot of liquid. At the no wonder of the you're having to pee so much <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I can't even watch the news. I'm like, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, Stop drinking the liquids. Well, good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time of the day you decide to listen to us bullfrog into the microphones. Yeah. Man. Thank you, Georgia Weather. Yeah. Decided so, to dip down into the 50s. Dude, it is tearing me to pieces yeah. because of this weekend at the wedding I was at, it got pretty cool in the evening, and we and then we ran up Parrish Mountain. That's a story, <laughs> and it was pretty cool that morning, so... I just can't win when it comes to my throat these days and sinuses, but yeah. you know what? It's okay. As long as all of our listeners can deal with the bullfrog vibrating in their headphones <laughs> or whatever they use, I'm sorry. Um, but I am excited about this episode. I am. I might not sound like it or look like it, but I actually am. Yeah. Last week, we got to talk about our favorite people. Yeah. And that was easy. That's always Maybe easy. too easy. It's always easy. Yeah. So this week, we got to talk about... Yeah, these, two guys who took some effort. <laughs> these two guys are uh, are different. They're so different. I'm different. Yes, they are different. That, that's yeah. a song, by the way. But uh, yeah, they are very different. Um, I don't. I don't even know how to summarize. I couldn't put into words Flavel exactly oh, I, like with one word. I couldn't describe him. I have a title for him. You do. Everybody okay. has a title. Bunyan didn't have a title, but I think we called him the layman. We called Puritan. him the layman Puritan. Yeah. yeah. So Flavel to me. What you think? He is the Puritan Robin Hood. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go back and read some more of him, and I'll see it now that you say that even more. Yeah. Whereas Edwards was definitely, uh, he has a nickname. Yes. Greatest American theologian. Mm -hmm. And Oh, there's the light. Hello, Lord. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Dude, if you watch these episodes, this light is on and off, on and off. So. But yeah, he was greatest American theologian. He was slash philosopher. Man, his stuff is wordy. Have the you title ever read of any of his stuff? sermons and books? They're insane. That the titles? It's a paragraph. Yeah, he was notorious for that. And if you look through his works, like you'll be like, is, are are they describing the sermon yeah. or is this the sermon title? Yeah, and like his and the book, content. The thing with Edwards too, we'll get all into that in a minute. But with Edwards too, I feel like every time he got angry and wanted to oh, charge back at somebody he just wrote a book about it or he wrote a sermon or yeah a book. sermon or a book he, like, oh, oh yeah oh yeah well wait till next week when i have a sermon oh you want this smoke well i'm gonna write a sermon about exactly. it sunday come back sit down right there <laughs> dude no i can you imagine yeah. if that's how we still like, operated oh, today shoot man you just fired me up i'm gonna write a sermon yeah. just about that like oh no i made james mad 
can't come to church next Sunday. The sermon's going to be about us. Wednesday night, he's going <laughs> off. Allison, we're not going tonight. Yep. That's hilarious. Yeah. But it's so true. Yeah. And, and, I mean, we saw that with John Knox a little bit, too. Oh, my goodness. If not more. Uh, yeah. If not more. He was, he was very passive-aggressive, though. John Edwards was like, very biblical. Yeah. John Knox was like, no, I'm just going to be very kind of rude to you. <laughs> John Knox was like, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just straight junk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and then Jonathan Edwards was definitely a, um, you know, the Bible tells us that yes. we're depraved. And so therefore, yes. <laughs> brethren, you are. <laughs> it's so it's so true, though. It's so true. And so um, that's good stuff, man. I'm telling you. I'm excited about this episode. Flavel, um, you know, let me talk a little bit. Each week I've been bringing some different works in here so that if you're if you're a bookworm, you want to check some of this stuff out, go for it. The Jonathan Edwards ones are really affordable. And, like, I highly recommend them if you catch on you like Jonathan Edwards because you can buy his books, but they're really short. And so yeah. you can spend a lot of money on just little ones. Uh, you can get these usually on sale uh, especially at Christmas time, but Jonathan Edwards' works, they're in two volumes and they're both right here. And I started reading through one of those sermons. And I will confess, if you have a hard time reading, these are squinters, man. Yeah. You got to squint. But it's just very wordy. <laughs> it's good, but it's wordy, you know? Yes. Um, and then Flavel, uh, I actually just got those right before COVID hit. They Both of those volume sets are a very nice shade of brown. Yeah, they are a very nice shade of brown. Makes me wonder why. I have no idea. <laughs> These are old. This the flavor ones are older. Yeah. These are new. The new flavor ones, I think, are red. But oh, um, they're they're both pretty affordable. The flavor ones, I mean, you know, the thing I like about Banner and Truth, their publishing stuff is yes. you can look at the front and it shows all their contents. And the thing I do like about flavor compared to like John Owens. Um, is there's a lot of the brokenness into each volume is much more strategic, I think. Yeah. Like you have in volume one, the life of John Flavel. And so, um, but those are some good stuff. And, you know, we, I, I like to set out books to promote because I want to encourage people to read and study. And it's amazing what you can learn from these gold mines. And so um, we've got a good episode to talk about. One other book that I'm going to refer to, and this was... Um, a Lifeway Going Out of Business pickup. Uh, but John Piper, he's written a lot of these. They're called uh, Servants. or No, the Swans are Silent. Excuse me. It's the Swans, swans are, silent. are Silent. I have a couple of them in our student library for the kids bar, if you ever want to borrow one. Um, but they made a whole compiled book of all the miniature books that he wrote of it. Um, and this is really good. And it has a lot of stuff on the Puritans, actually John Owen and all. Hmm. And so we're going to refer to that a little bit today because it's – Modern English. Speaking of John Owen, we have yes, three we t-shirts left. Only three, though. Two larges and one medium. One medium and two larges. That's right. <laughs> so cooking so it that, quick. Yeah. Yeah, we got three. And, man, those shirts have been quality. Oh, man, I know. We got good stuff now, look, coming. Quick sidebar story. Sidebar. Okay, Hit so it. I wear all these shirts out, and they have been great conversation starters, okay? Especially the Reagan t-shirt. Um, great conversation starters. Uh, this one uh -oh. has been a little bit of a harder conversation. It, it starts then because the, the quote is be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You know, it, something we very much agree with. Um, in Publix, yes, was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, the checkout lady saw it and she read it 
And she was like, yeah, Puritans were hardcore. And I said, yeah, some of them were. And she instantly goes to the Salem witch trials. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So there's people behind me. And this is the 10 items or less line. So people are already expecting like this to go quick. And so I'm spending time in the 10 items or less line trying to explain to her that's not where this is going. I don't really consider those people the kind of Puritans that we're studying, trying to explain what we were doing. <laughs> I would debate that those were the crazy but pilgrims. yeah, but see, that's the, yes. And see, I think people forget that there's crazy on and everything. Well, and there's a difference yeah, in and the she, pilgrims and Puritans too. And she, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, but <laughs> she was like, they would have considered me a witch because I'm left-handed and I talk to my cat and I'm like, we're all different. God made us all unique. Like I was just, I was doing all kinds of stuff and I'm like, I'm Man. a minister of the gospel and I talk to my miniature dots. Exactly. Yeah. So... <laughs> The, like the Reformation shirt, all that stuff, easy conversation yeah. starters. They just kind of eased into it. This one, I was like, oh, man, when I wear this shirt out in public, I got to be prepared. You got to have your junk together. I got to have my junk together. Well, the good, the good news is I've only worn mine in the church, so stay tuned. Oh, well, you know. yeah, me too until that day. Usually. I, that was, wait, so it was it was Sunday because Allison had a craving and she wanted a public uh, sub. you got a pregnant wife. So I had worn it at church and I was like, wow. Well, yeah, you did. Up. So this man is I, another sidebar before we get oh into no. it, because this today's will probably be a little bit shorter since we don't, you know, these aren't our faves. Yeah. Um, I never get that experience. You and my mom, my mom always be somebody be like, man, what's coffee with Vern? Or, Hey, what's You've the reformers? What's the reformation? And I, I'll wear these shirts and I never get nothing. But the time I wear escape outdoor shirts, you know what I get? Oh, you work over there. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, man, no, but I'm there. like, hey, you Ryan, spend enough time over there. Like, you should Ryan, get paid you need for a part time employee for, you know, stock and show or something, man. But always escape outdoors. Just and then and my metal merch. band t shirts. Oh, well, yeah. Those are my favorite conversations. They're like, man, you listen to that? I'm like, yeah, you? And it's one of two extremes. I either get, yeah, man, I love that band. Or I get, man, that's. That's that demonic stuff. I'm like, that's the devil. What? <laughs> Just because it's angry, sweaty men screaming in a microphone doesn't mean it's the devil's music. Come back at me, bro. All right. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Into it. Shall we? Well, we're going to today episode, today episode, today's today episode, episode. What was last week? I said, do blessed. Do blessed. <laughs> In today episode, we oh do blessed. Oh my gosh. I'm struggling. In Drink today's your episode. Yeah. Maybe it's the chocolate milk. Um, we're going to kind of feed off each other. So we're not going to take one each tag team. Um, but we got John Flavel and yes. so we'll start with Flavel, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, this man is highly debated when he was born yeah. anywhere from 1627 to 1630. Right. So I said 1628 because that's when John Bunyan was born. So I was like, well, let's just have, uh, them. <laughs> let's have them be the same let's age. Let's have them be friends, even though they didn't know each other. That makes sense. Um, they're, yeah. They're birthday buddies. They are. They are. So they're in we that same no region. But what's crazy is they all were being, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I got to get to that in a minute. Save the row. But 1627, 1630, he dies in 1691, mm-hmm. right? But um, I, I make sure, I made sure to note that he went into the ministry in 1650, so Anywhere in his 20s is what we can gather from that. He started yeah. ministry. Yeah. Um, and that was after the English Civil War. So he grew yeah. up in the same, if you guys remember, John Bunyan, John Owen, they all lived through this very tumultuous time in England, um, English Civil War. What was that? Look? Tumultuous. <laughs> 
I am a proud brother. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means, but wow, that just, it was one of those that soothed my ear. Oh, well, I'm glad. Yeah, go I'm ahead. Glad you enjoyed that. They lived through this tumultuous time. Yeah. The English Civil War, the split between the Church of England and, which was the monarchy and parliament yeah. who was Puritan. And so, uh, Flavel's going through the same exact thing that the, the two guys last yeah. week went through. Same exact time period. Yeah. What's cool about John uh, Flavel is his father was a minister. Yes. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, it's hilarious how they both got ejected out of the pulpit. For the same, so thing. same thing. But his father died in prison. Yeah. So his father died in 1665 of yeah. plague while in prison. While in prison. But what was the reason he was in prison? Unconformity. Yeah. Now, if you don't know what that means, essentially that meant like they're not conforming to what the standard was. Well, see, once once the protectorate, the time of the protectorate was over, mm-hmm. I think it was about was it 10 years or something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, th- anyway, the parliament... Oliver Cromwell died. Yes. The Parliament was scared of the split of England. They asked Charles II to come back and form a monarchy again. Charles II, Church of England guy, yeah. enacted the Act of Uniformity. Yes. Basically, every minister who was ordained, which he and his father, Flavel and his father, were both right. ordained ministers, uh, they had to um, follow the Book of Common Prayer, among other things, and yeah. they had to adopt the liturgy of the Church of England. Which, which of course, they were bylaws and everything. Yeah, which yeah. they were not going to do. And liturgy, if you don't know what that means, that's referring to their form of worship. Right. So they're essentially their worship service. They had to literally conform to, to look, what the Church of yes, England was. Exactly. And so that's why unconformity yeah. is referring to that. Yeah. And so it was about 2,000 ministers that were ejected immediately. I love that word ejected. Yeah. And I have this it's picture a of them forced, standing at the pulpit and then just the launching. floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See it, bro. Well, I mean, it's true, right? It's a very forceful thing. This is their congregation. They don't want to leave their yeah. flock. And then church and state authorities says, Peace, bye, bro. you got to go. Yeah, and that, man, that's a huge thing I've noticed with the Puritans uh, is their love for their flock. Yeah. And a lot of them, like Edwards traveled a lot. He was moving yes. like crazy. Uh, but there was this constant love for, you know what, this is the flock that the Lord has called me to in this moment. Yeah. And there was this immense desire to pour into their direct flock. Man, we could learn a lot from that. Yeah, he, I mean, and Flavel, another thing we want to make sure you understand too about the Puritans was they suffered immensely. Yeah. You know, um, that one of the greatest things that we can learn from the Puritans is how to suffer well. And I think I've yeah. said that. But, I mean, Flavel, he married four different women. Not because he got tired. No, it's because three of them passed away. Yeah, his first... First his, one died while giving birth to his the, child. And, and the, the child, child died. died. Yeah, so I mean, You think about the weight of that. Yeah. And so then um, Joel Beakey says he went on a year sabbatical or time away, and then he remarried. Um, and I'm not sure how long that next marriage was, but three of his wives passed away, Yeah, and then the fourth one outlived him. That's right. But um, just immense suffering. I mean, I can't imagine. Well, he, so he was ejected. And mm-hmm. so he started meeting. And this is where the Robin Hood of the Puritans title comes in. Dude, my man was So he sneaky. started meeting in, 
um, secret in different places. So then they enacted the Five Mile Act. Did you read anything about that? Yeah. Yeah. So the That's five, interesting. Five Mile Act, you know, it wasn't enough to eject them from their churches. Now they couldn't live within five miles of the of, churches of the church. they had ministered. Trying to make it the way they wouldn't travel. Right. Because think about it. You think they got cars? No. Well, so they made it to where, like, you couldn't meet with your congregation in your home secretly. Right. And so he had to move, but his congregation still met. He would meet in, I mean, he's Robin Hood. He would meet in the woods they at midnight. met in midnight. the woods at midnight, yeah. And the best story is when... I've got it. Oh, hold on. Yeah, go for you, it. You, I know exactly where you're going. Go ahead. Say it. When I'm the authorities found them in the woods and they tried to disperse the congregation... Some of the members were arrested. Some of the members grabbed him, mm-hmm. took him away to a different part of the woods, and he kept preaching. The, oh, you, you, you saved me the f- best part. This, Go for it. I thought this is hilarious. Uh, Flavel was ejected in 1662. On occasion, he would preach for them in the woods, yeah. especially on days of fasting and humiliation, which they didn't explain a lot about that. But once he even disguised oh, yeah. himself yep. as a woman on horseback in order to reach a secret meeting. But see, that's not my favorite one. My favorite one is when he was being pursued yeah. on yeah. horseback and he decides to jump that horse off a cliff into the ocean. A- <laughs> and he managed to escape in a rocky part. That's right. So basically, my man jumps off a cliff with the horse. He's like, forget the horse. So he swims <laughs> to a rocky area, hides behind some rocks until the authorities are like, well, he's probably dead. I and mean, then he gets out. I, th- th- we're not making this stuff up. No. Like, we, somebody needs to make a movie after this man. Yeah. And then he would also preach from a place, um, I think it was called Salston Rock. It was, yep. Um, and he would preach there until the tide came in because it would cover the rock. And then he would preach from a boat. And the I'm, congregations would listen from a boat. What just amazes me about these stories, though, is the desire. Yeah. I mean, that is a true... I mean. As funny as it is, too, yeah. It, look at the call on his life. I know it's crazy. I mean, my man was like, "You know what? You want to say I'm an unconformist? I am. Watch <laughs> me ride this horse into the ocean." Well, see what's funny about that is a few years later, in 1672, Charles II issued a Declaration of Indulgence. These pe- these people, they have no clue what they want, and so oh, he's my, like, no. "Okay, I'm fine with you guys. If you want to come back and publicly preach, that's fine. That's fine." So he comes back to his hometown. And uh, he starts preaching for a little bit in Dartmouth. And then all of a sudden, a year later, they're like, oh, just kidding. We don't want you to preach publicly anymore. We're going to rescind that indulgence. And so Flavel's like, okay, I've been, I'm used to preaching the secrecy. I'll just go We've back to that. We've been doing this the yeah. whole time. <laughs> He's like, no biggie. No, no skin off my back. It, There's a lot we can learn from that. That yeah. huge application. Yes, absolutely. The church is not a building. No. Huge application. Mm-hmm. And so I just, man, I I thought my favorite one, your favorite one's the horseback. My favorite one's my man dressed up like a woman. He's like, you know what? You don't you don't want to recognize me? It's Bro, like I'll that, fix that uh, real quick. It's like the Sherlock Holmes movie, the second one, where he has all those disguises when he's following that lady. That's what it made me think of. Or actually like the Robin Hood cartoon. I was say the Robin Hood. I think about Robin yeah. Hood cartoons. Well, there you go. See, there you go. Yeah. What so a dude. He lived through. And then another indulgence in 1687. And then the glorious revolution of England happened in 1688, where James II fled to France. Parliament finally took over. Um, but, but by this time, he was old and weary. His quote was, We have long borne the burden and heat of the day. We are veteran soldiers almost worn out. Yeah. I mean, he... Wow. That There's a quote he ends his life on, too, mm-hmm. that will parallel to that. 
Yeah. Something I thought was amazing towards the end of his life was he was just so t- determined to love the people of Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. That's where he was ordained. That's where he's called to ministry. And yeah. then that's where his, his heart was. 1684. So right prior to actually seven years before he passes, um, he was burned by a mob. And, and Flavel's response was... His effigy was burned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to pray. Well, that's after he got back from New York. Yeah. And where he was almost arrested there. I mean, my man was... <laughs> Not New York. Did I say New York? I meant London. My, I mean, my man was always... New York was John Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're going to get to the American yeah. guy. So he went to London. He was almost arrested there. Yep. And his response to them in this is... Oh, that there were not a prayerless family in this town. Yeah. Crazy. You see the love of a pastor for his people. But Flavel died in 1691 of a massive stroke. Massive stroke. While, a, this is the even funnier part, while he was going to preach for a friend. Yeah. He was with a friend to preach um, at this friend's, I guess, church or congregation. And Flavel's final words were, I know that mm. it will be well with me. Yes. All I can think of is it is well. Yep. I mean, a life well lived, yeah. Flavel. Oh, Flavel. Yeah, I, dude, I'm looking forward to diving into some of his stuff. I'll tell you, man, I got a lot that I want to read when it comes to these Puritans because there's just so much. Yeah. So much. But then, last of today, but not least, Mr. Edwards. Who was a hard man. Too. One of the most <laughs> well-known Puritans <laughs> and one of the most debated if he should be even considered a Puritan. Yeah, this one says they consider him the last Puritan. Which, that is a huge debate, too. Well, because we are going to be going over... What others say is the last, last Puritan. Last. <laughs> yeah, Very last recent. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Yep, and so I'm looking forward to that next yeah. week. But Edwards had his own interesting life. Um, mm-hmm. He was born in October, October 5th, Anna's birthday, uh, in 1703. Yes, yeah, so we're now... A century later. Yeah. So we have picked up some time mm-hmm. and we're in America. Right. This is right prior to the American Revolution come in the late 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, so pilgrims have come. Puritans have settled. Jonathan Edwards family is living and dwelling in Connecticut. And right, so he's born in Connecticut. He's the son of 11 children. <laughs> yeah. What, is that is that like a thing? Like I don't know. What's the symbolism of the number know. 11? I don't know. And there, I can't think of any symbolic nature of the number in scriptures. I know 12, Yeah, but I have no um, interesting, right? Very yeah. interesting. I think my grandma was one of 11 too, if I remember. That's crazy. Wow. Um, that is a full quiver. <laughs> brother. I, you know, I, I think about if I, I can't, no, no, I just can't. Mm. Mm, uh-uh. Uh, his father was, so something cool about Edwards is he was extremely intellectual. Yes. Extremely. Yes. I'm stupid smart. Stupid smart. His dad was a minister and his uh, wife's, uh, or his mother's father. Yeah, so his grandfather and his grandfather was a minister as well. So yeah. he was raised in it just like John Flavel. Yeah, which, keep that in mind, because that's an interesting point that I want to bring up in a minute, that he was brought up in a Christian you home. Hold on to it. Yeah. Um. But his father was also very smart. So mm-hmm. that kind of ran in the family. And his father was a well-known preacher in the area. At age 13, 13. my man went to college. And what college was it? It was Cambridge, right? No, was, yeah. no, no. It was... Why, idiot, James. Connecticut. Uh, who it wasn't we called Yale yet. 
It wasn't called Yale. It was called Connecticut's Collegiate School. That's right. But uh, after 1718, it was known as Yale. And he didn't want to go to Harvard. No. Did you read that? Yes. I thought that was significant Mm because of some of what they were teaching at that time. Yeah. Which, interesting sidebar we were talking about beforehand. Yeah. All these Ivy League schools founded as Christian. Yes, solid Christian schools is what they were founded on. Puritans founded most of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever they are wow. now, that's not what they were when they, they started. That no more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he went off to college at the age of 13. Yeah. Um, and in 1721 is when he actually converted. Uh, yes. That's my thing. Okay. So he graduated when he was 17. He finished with a Bachelor's of Art in 1720 after he took... So he was raised in a Christian home with two... Mm-hmm. Uh, minister patriarchs, basically. Yes. Okay. Uh, and his father was his teacher because a lot of ministers back then were also the teachers t- of the grammar, taught, grammar yep. school. That's right. Um, so he grew up in it, and his courses of study, biblical languages, logic, and natural philosophy, he graduated. He wasn't converted until after all that. Yep. That's what's crazy. It says a lot about the working of the spirit. Absolutely. It says about his timing is perfect, you know? Yeah. But and that doesn't mean you don't raise the child up. No. And it means and all it the means more. And it means you don't get discouraged That's right. either. Yeah, huge application uh, to parents mm-hmm. and even, you know, like my students who are working with their one. Remember that you can't save them. Yeah. You're just the vessel that the Lord has called. Well, and don't think that God's not working through that time. Don't, Absolutely Because not. this is what it says here. He went through several periods of spiritual conviction in his childhood and youth. Mm-hmm. So it's not like God wasn't working in that yeah. time. He was working hard. Yeah, and all that will profit for the process of right. sanctification after Absolutely. conversion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think back and you're able to remember the things that you've seen and been through. Absolutely. So 1721. That he's converted. Um, and what I thought was amazing, he was impacted by First Timothy 1.17. Yes. yes. All right, so a pastoral epistle. Um, he began ministry a year after that, 1722. So this conversion was, all right, the Lord has converted me. We are headed into ministry. <laughs> yeah, That's no the response, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, 1727, he's married to Sarah, his wife. And he had 11 children. Yeah, see, there you go. So we've had... Three forms of 11 children, Flavel's family, Edward's family, now Edward's family yeah. with Sarah. Yeah. Well, let's go back. Yeah, go back wherever. I'm 22 is when he went to New York. This is this is what I was talking about with you earlier. He was he was involved in a lot of things that reminded me of today. Wow, that was a lot of crumbles. <laughs> let's take a moment. <laughs> Time out for a moment. Oh man. Yeah, get that off of there. <laughs> Oh my word! I'm so sorry. If you all could be in this room, anyway, it's a good time. Go ahead, back to New York. He went. He started right after he was converted. He went to New York um, to help with a church split. (laughs) So basically, in New York, there was a church, First Presbyterian Church in New York, um, where the Scots Irish people Mm. and the English people disagreed on a lot of things. And so the English people were like, "Mm, forget you, we'll start our own church, which sounds a lot like what goes on today. It's very applicable today. And they asked John to be his, uh, to be their, their minister there. But in 20, 1723, 
he came back to Connecticut. <laughs> and came on so, back. I don't know what that says about that church or Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Like he 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 wasn't a traveling preacher by any means, but this first couple of years of ministry, he was kind of finding his place everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, New York, back to Connecticut and whatnot. Yeah. It is interesting of note that he was a tutor at Yale as well mm-hmm. when he came back to Connecticut uh, because they had ousted the rector who was the head of the of the college because he decided to revert back to Church of England. Yeah. <laughs> it's always there. Church so, of England, man, has caused some issues, let's yeah. just say. And then in uh, 27, I think that's where you were heading. Yeah, he I took just over about his, his marriage. Oh, well, in 26, he went to help his grandfather who was ailing. Right. His grandfather's church, 27, his grandfather died, and he solely became minister of Correct. his grandfather's church. And that's where a bulk of what we talk about with Edwards comes from, is from that church. Yeah. So Edwards, very similar to Floyd, had a heart for his church, uh, that church that he pastored with his grandfather, no doubt. Um, he had an immense desire to promote godliness in mm. his teaching. Mm-hmm. That was one constant that I found in study on Edwards. The congregation... Um, struggled immensely to understand godliness, like practiced biblically, you know? Yeah. Um, it was, I think based off of what I was reading, it almost sounded like the congregation was struggling to think, well, this is what we must do for godliness. This is what we must do rather than look to Christ. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, something I found that was pretty cool in the 1730s, he began preaching on specific sins. Yes. Specific sin struggles. So not just sin, as a whole, but specific sins, which grew to something amazing. Well, it speaks to how much he cared for his church. So he wasn't, exactly. he was watching his church. He was listening to his church. He was watching his flock like yes. a shepherd should. And he was seeing what they were struggling with and he was addressing it. Yes. Um, he saw that at the, the last year of his grandfather's, um, his wife's grandfather's life, apparently they had issues in that church. And, uh, yeah, he just, he wanted to help them out because he loved Yeah, them. it says a lot. I mean, that's a huge application for us as pastors is, you know, how well do you know your congregation? Right. I, I believe the greater you know your congregation, great, oh my goodness, let's try that again. <laughs> the greater you know your congregation, the greater you will be able to biblically feed them right. if you are obedient to where the Lord is instructing and leading you. Right. I mean, I know when I know what's going on in my students' lives, I know uh, if I'm being obedient to being in the word as well as praying and lifting them up in those certain situations, God always directs us exactly where we need to be to feed them because I'm bringing their struggles and their situations before the Lord and going, Hey, help me feed them. Yeah. That's exactly what Edwards did. Yeah. And what was really cool, I added this and I don't want to get ahead of you. If you have to go back to no, something, go for it. I know where you're heading. Is those very same themes that he hit out, this very same sense, that is what grew into promoting the revival that is known as the Great Awakening. Yes. He and other preachers, independent of each other, yes. through the Holy Spirit's power, one all spirit, people, brought about one spirit. the Great Awakening. Which was really, when people hear of Edwards, they think the Great Awakening. Absolutely. I mean, that is where hands in the sinners in the hands of an angry God. Man, I am, I am so sorry to all of our <laughs> listeners today. It's just, it's just not coming together. But oh, sinners man. in the hands of an angry God. That's where that was birthed. Um, all kinds of George Whitfield, if you know that name. Yes. And George Whitfield comes about John Wesley. Lots of stuff happened during the Great Awakening. We need our own series for that, honestly. Yeah. Hey. So. The sinners in the hands of an angry God um, 
comes from Deuteronomy 32, 35. Let me read that one. I'm reading Deuteronomy. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the day when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly. <laughs> okay, Edwards. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I want to read this quote directly. Yeah, this is how his congregation responded to that one sermon. Uh, this, this came from a witness who was there. Before the sermon was done, there was a great moaning and crying out through the yep. whole house. What shall I do to be saved? I'm going to hell. Oh, what shall I do for Christ? Edwards then asked for silence, but the tumult increased until Edwards had to stop preaching. And, and you know, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God has been one of the most published and read sermons of all time. I remember reading it at, I read in, it in high school. school. Yeah. Yep. Because of the literary work of it. Absolutely. And literature. I remember reading it and going, reading about the on. Yeah. I just think that's amazing that the obedience to feed his flock and reach his congregation is what birthed into an immense revival within the, the nation. Mm-hmm. So, wow, so many applications we could learn, right? <laughs> wow. Just so be obedient. Yeah. It's almost as if obedience is what God calls for, Jesse. Wow. It's crazy how that is. You shall be holy as I am. Hmm. Interesting. But <laughs> slap to the face, James. Uh, oh, man. So punch. much good stuff. Now, is there anything else you want to add on Edwards before I... I, I want to close out with one of my absolute favorite stories of Jonathan Edwards. Well, yeah. I, I want to go through a little bit more history. Yeah, hit um, some of it. Because this story is... It's a, it's a good one to end on. Yeah. So you hit it. So the Great Awakening hit a lot of people. It didn't end up being positive for everybody for very long. Yeah. There was a like a giant split among people, among yeah. ministers, whether the Great Awakening was good or whether it was negative. Yeah. Basically, whether it was actual, like they were actually having spiritual movements, or whether it was very fake. Very because yes. you had a man, um, Chauncey. Charles Chauncey, who denounced the entire awakening, saying that these affections... Basically, he was saying you can't have the feels. You can't have a spiritual encounter. Uh, he was denouncing that, saying uh, religion is more traditional, more formal. It can't be simple. And you can't have affections. To which, like we were talking about before, Jonathan Edwards was like, oh, really? Well, let me write a book about that one in response. And so that's when he wrote uh, A Treatise Concerning Religious Affections in 1746, in which he distinguished between true and false religious experiences. Because mm. he was very much a proponent for the Great Awakening. He's been a long time, because I, I'm sure he got to thinking about that too. Are these people actually having an experience? Yeah. Or, or, or is, is it, it just a show? Is it just an Is it just an of, emotional? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, wow, so much... It's almost as if you can learn from history. It's almost. Almost. Yeah. Oh, so then after that, talk about um talk about Brainerd. That's that's my story, yeah. Okay. You want me I can do that. Do right that now. one mm-hmm, because it falls at this yeah, point. So you you can't talk about Edwards and not talk about Brainerd. David Brainerd. Um, and if you want to well, who is that? Well, he wasn't really considered a Puritan, but he was in the time of Jonathan Edwards. Um, David Brainerd lived only to be 29 years old. Um, and he has an interesting story. And the first time I read about David Brainerd was actually in this book I was referencing earlier. That's why I brought it. Um, but Jonathan Edwards, one of his most famous uh, published works is the Diary of the Life of David Brainerd, um, which was the diary that David Brainerd had wrote and Jonathan Edwards went on to later re 
really just review and publish for him. Um, and I can't remember the names of the men that read it, but famous, famous Puritans read it. I think George Whitfield was one of them that said, oh, what a wonder this work is. Um, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about David Brainerd because there's so much application. I'll be quick with it. Um, but David Brainerd, let me start with the beginning of his life. He was born in Connecticut as well. Um, and that was, he was born in the year that John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards were 14. Benjamin Franklin was 12 and George Whitfield was three. He was in the time of a lot of great names was when he was born, but he was born in 1718. Uh, the great awakening was just over the horizon. And this is quoting John Piper and Brainerd would live through both waves of it in the mid thirties and early forties on the 18th century of the 18th century. Then he died of tuberculosis in Jonathan Edwards' house at the age of 29 on October 9th, 1747. But Brainerd was, uh, he grew up in struggle. His family, his both his parents died. His oldest brother died. Um, and he was just a, a young guy that was pursuing, very smart, pursuing school. And then the Lord uh, dramatically, kind of like road to Damascus, saved him. Um they, uh, John Piper says it was the miracle that happened when he was 21, I think. Uh, but long story short, because I could talk about this forever. Long story short, David Brainerd was one who desired to really go into ministry, was going to Yale for that. Then the Lord radically saved him, just like Jonathan Edwards type deal. Then after that, he finally had that enlightenment of being awoken and was truly going into the ministry for the right reason. And in going into the ministry, there were things that were going on at Yale. He spoke up how he disagreed. Something caught under his breath, essentially, that was overheard. And he was kicked out of Yale. He was number one of his class when he was kicked out. Jonathan Edwards was on staff at that time, and he wasn't even able to do anything. But he was kicked out of Yale. He was later ordained. They ordained him later on. And um, he spent his time teaching and tutoring and preaching but uh, in those years, he was very, very sick, uh, yeah. very sick, coughing blood, tuberculosis. Um, and how he ended his life was in writing and teaching, but in doing ministry, he desired to reach the Indians, the yes. Native Americans. And, and keep that in mind, because yeah. that affected Edwards. That affected everything, yeah. yeah. Um, but he desired to reach the Native Americans, um, but suffered immense illness, suffered immense depression and loneliness, and he ended up dying in the care of one of Jonathan Edwards' daughters yeah. um, at the age of 29 from tuberculosis. Yeah. Um, but a quote, and I, I read this whole chapter, and I just didn't have time to get all the stuff that I wanted to for this because it's just so much. Um, but a quote that John Piper says that describes the life of David Brainerd that we could learn and Jonathan Edwards is, God is at work for the glory of his name and the good of his church, even when the good intentions of his servants fail, even when it's that failing is owning to sin or carelessness. And he was referring to when David Brainerd spoke up and he probably shouldn't have because of the way it came across, but that God was still in work for it. Um, and David Brainerd lived a life, but what is important about talking about with Jonathan Edwards is the effect that the, the desire to reach the native Americans had on Jonathan Edwards. Yes, absolutely. But also the care that Jonathan Edwards had for David Brainerd. Absolutely. Many say he, he loves him like as a son. a son. Absolutely. I think he did. And so it says a lot about Jonathan Edwards and his heart for people mm. right? that this young rebellious, almost like, and being kicked out of school student, he allowed to live in his own home. Yeah 
foster him, love him when he had nowhere else to go. Yeah. Now, do you want to add to that, anything on that? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get not uh, not to Brainerd, but from there, just to quickly go through the rest of Edwards's yeah. life and career. After Brainerd, he was very much embroiled in controversy in his church, um, in his grandfather's church. Uh, I don't think the the congregation ever fully saw themselves as being under Edwards. I think they always kind of held themselves to his grandfather's yeah. teaching. Um, but the one that that got me is he, I mean, he's very much Puritan in the way he thinks, so he takes things very seriously as well he should. So in 1748, this is one of the things that got him kicked out of his church. Um, <clears throat> uh, a moment of crisis, 1748, he told two of his members they lacked the saving grace necessary to partake in yep. the Lord's Supper. Yeah, to which, after they got mad, again, he wrote something <laughs> uh, called A Humble Inquiry into the Rules and Qualifications for Communion. Um, My man was wilding out. Yeah, it, it, basically he was saying that genuine conversion bears visible fruit, and that is necessary for sacrament privileges. Mm. Uh, and so he was telling those people, I don't see your fruit, so I don't think you can take communion. <sighs> And so his church was like, church no, discipline. not dealing with that. They said he was too harsh with church discipline, among other things. They cited this example, and they kicked him out. Um, so he gave a farewell sermon in uh, 1750, and he left that church, which is when he also became a missionary mm -hmm. to the Native Americans. Yeah, which, like we said, David Brainerd probably had a huge effect yeah. on that. Uh, and a sad note, it was during the French and Indian War, um, and that came to the village he was um, trying to minister to, to in 1754, and many of the uh, people he was ministering to were killed. Um, so he spent a lot of that time not having a home church, and that's where a bulk of his work came from as well. Yeah. Uh, that's where he wrote um, Freedom of the Will. Yes, his which is one of his biggest. most famous, if not the most famous. Yes. Um, that's a beautiful book. Which is not what the title makes it sound like. It's not at all what you think it no. is. Uh, and then he also wrote The Great Christian Doctrine of Original Sin. Yep. Um, so then after that, in 1758, he was asked, asked to be the president of a another college that we know of yep. as Princeton. No longer Christian either. <laughs> are any of them? Honestly, I don't, I don't think any of them are. It's kind of depressing when you think about it. Yeah. So that... Um, that same year, March 22nd, 1758, while he was trying to write um, something about the harmony of the Old and the New Testaments and the work of redemption, he died due to complications from a smallpox inoculation. Yeah. Not yep. from smallpox, but basically from the vaccine. Yeah, he was trying to get the vaccination, essentially. Yeah. So. What a way to go out. Yep. He lived a great life, though. You know, he, he, he lived a busy life. That's what That's what I was thinking. That. His life was just so, not all over the place, but it was just, it was, like you said, it was busy. It says a lot about ministry. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I don't think there's any regret in any of these guys uh, in the sense of how they lived their life for the ministry. Yeah. And with John, with Edwards, he, what got me, he, very intellectual, 13 went to Yale, but he did not let his intellect 
make himself rise above anybody no, else. No, you don't see that you at s- all. I, you see that in the way he cared for his congregation to address their specific yes. issues. You see that in the way that he cared for David Yeah, Brainerd. You don't see arrogance at no, all. You see, the way, you see that all. in the way that he, when he was kicked out of his church, he just went and became a missionary to the Native American. Gave a farewell sermon said, I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing of him that was pride. I'm sure there was pride struggle, but to me, he was a very humble man, which if yeah. you're that smart, I'm sure is extremely hard. Well, it just says a lot about the heart to reach the layman. Yes. You know, it can, you know, something we, we can learn a lot as ministers that, you know, love to study. Sometimes we let our brains override everything. Yeah. But I, I tell you these, you know, a lot that I've learned from these guys, these two in particular, is their love for what they do. Same with John Owen and John Bunyan. I mean, an application from all these Puritans and Reformers. Um, and this is just to, I mean, I, Pastor Larry would agree completely with what I'm about to say, if not amen it a thousand times. Um, you don't retire from ministry. Right. You know, you, every one of these guys, when you read in their life, what were they doing? They were serving. Right. It says nothing about, well, they were dwelling in Cancun on an island <laughs> or, you know, that they were living a luxury life on a golf course. Yeah. After they got done doing ministry because they never got done doing ministry. They did it till the day the Lord called them home. Yeah. And I tell you, that is how I want to live my life. Well, it speaks to where's your joy come from. That's right. If you, I mean, their joy was found in doing the work yeah. of Christ because of because of Christ in them. Well, and, and another thing that we I think we've talked about every week is delayed gratification. Yeah, they know that their their home is not here. Their home is oh, coming. dude. Their glory is oh, coming. Man. Glory is coming. Especially when you think about Richard, um, John Foyle's dad, mm-hmm. Richard Foyle. You think about, I mean, you died in prison of after being a, kicked out of, of a your plague. Church. Yeah. You think about what that, how that weighs on somebody. He's yeah. like, yeah, well, and then John Bunyan. Well, I mean, there's just so much we could go back talking about yeah. with it. But again, I think you know, so we we've had a lot of really good application points that we've brought from the series already. Uh, how we summarize these two guys? I think you know we summarize it with Jonathan Edwards is one of the greatest influences into theology in America, and Flavel is definitely the Robin Hood. <laughs> Um, but you see from two guys, two different stories, complete opposite sides of the world too, to a degree, Mm -hmm. you see two guys that had the same heart Mm -hmm. and that was to reach people for the sake of the glory of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, man, what we could, what we could learn today from that. But, uh, man, Jesse, this is a good episode. Yeah. This is good stuff, man. We got one one more. more. This is depressing. I know. Um, I don't really Uh, want it to end. So next week we talk about Martin Lloyd Jones and we conclude. Yep. Man. Now what I was saying earlier, you know, is who knows? We might have to have a special series every once in a while, the great awakening or something. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's we're nerds. We we, love it. We, we have hit a couple of things in this series that could branch off into other series. Oh dude, there's so so much that we could, (laughs) the, 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 the world of it's endless. endless. Yes. So, yeah, so next week... Will be our last episode for season two. Yes, it will be the last Puritan episode. It will also be the last season two episode. Wow. And we will take a summer break. It will. Who knows? We might have to do one episode during the summer just summer, to talk about our life or something. Edition. <laughs> just one. Well, yeah, because uh, my third child will be coming. We need to have a party. Let's sit Zeke right here in front of the camera. 
he can cry the whole time as long as he's in front of the camera since his dad won't be roast and uh, i'll i'll make sure to take care of him yeah um uncle Vern. so <laughs> <laughs> well hey until next time next week we talk about martin lloyd jones if you want to get ahead on your homework but we uh we will see you next time shabbat shalom go in peace thanks for tuning in